I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this weekend retreat here at Gaia House. And uh, my name is Yanai, this is Kirsten, and we're very happy to be here to spend this weekend with you. This is something that we have both uh, been engaging in over many, many years to uh, come into a space of silence, of contemplation, of meditative practice. And uh, we'd like to take some time to speak with regard to what we'll be doing here together, to give some framework for that, some sense of orientation. As for a number of you, this will be the first time that you're coming and uh, into such a situation and particularly wish to reassure anyone who's here for the first time that you've come to a good place. That uh, this is a place that uh, has really been established out of a deep caring and a deep well-wishing for, for people, for beings, for ourselves, for others. And that what we'll be engaging in here is something that has a remarkable capacity to contribute to our well-being, to our happiness, and to peace and well-being in this world. just want to check, is the volume okay at the back? I'm hearing a slight sort of a metallic quality, is it? It's okay? It's working? Good. We've got all this new technology recently, and sometimes it adds certain clarity, and sometimes it has other effects. But uh, if at any time you're not able to hear what either of us is speaking when we're using the microphone or not, um, do let us know. I'm also aware that I've got quite a a strong accent and uh, you'll have opportunity to notice that Kirsten also has an accent. And uh, it was interesting, in fact, when my wife and I were teaching recently in America, um, she, she observed that because all of us on the retreat were not from America, that all the people on the retreat might think you had to have a strange accent to do this. But be assured it's not the case. Uh, accent or otherwise is not really too important. But what is important is that hopefully you're able to understand uh, what's said. And so if, if you aren't able to hear clearly, do let us know. It's an interesting place to find oneself, really, isn't it? We kind of arrive and there's the sort of the, the hubbub of conversation and soup and bread and crackers and maybe seeing people one's met before or maybe meeting new people and the uh, coming to the manager's talk, certainly the sort of the information about those practical areas of life here for this weekend and then the sense of arriving in the hall with that. There's something quite powerful, quite sweet as well, I find, just in that arriving, sitting down, in a sense of being able to, to land, just come here. Like from lives, I imagine, if yours are like most people's lives, and I include my own, quite full, quite busy perhaps, maybe at times feeling too full, too busy. And this weekend retreat really offers a space in which you can not just land, but Allow yourself to let go, to release the the habits and the compulsions of life that seem to constantly create pressure, that seems to constantly contract or constrict the sense of spaciousness that's possible 
to the point where we might be feeling like, you know, enough or too much in life. Or we might be coming here more from a sense of exploration, from a sense of, oh yeah, life's great, going along smoothly, and yet there's a sense of what else is possible? It's kind of remarkable that we're alive, that we're human beings. We might reflect on that and think, what's possible? Is this life just about, you know, getting by, doing what we do, sort of work and social activity and eating and sleeping and all of that? Or is there more to discover? Is there a greater potential than we maybe have so far discovered? And spiritual teachings really say to us, speak to us in terms of these questions that yes, there is a way to address the sense of stress, of busyness, of pressure, of struggle that we might experience in life. There is a way to wholesomely and skillfully resolve and address those kinds of issues. And equally spiritual teachings say to us that there is more potential in our lives than maybe we have yet realized. That this remarkable mind-body happening that we call my life has within it mysteries and jewels and fruit of remarkable and unpredictable forms and shapes and colors and textures. And the coming into a retreat is really to put yourself in a place where you can receive your life. Where you can receive what your life has to offer you, what life itself has to offer to each of us. And yet in order to be able to do that, we, we somehow have to create space. It's, it's like, and this is really where the, uh, the title of the, the weekend comes from, the sense of releasing and receiving. What's that about? That we, it's almost like we have to release our life in order to receive it. And therefore we need to understand how it is we might be holding or constricting our life. If we, as we understand that, we can release it. And in releasing it, it's like we become open again. Life becomes accessible again. Negotiable again. Flexible again. And in that we can receive it in its depth and its its beauty, equally as in its challenges. So it's great that you've come along here. Some of you, familiar faces, very lovely to see you again. And uh, others of you, perhaps familiar to Gaia House, that I may not have had the fortune to meet till now and uh, you have a sense of coming back here. And a good number of you coming the first time, probably looking around thinking, gosh, this is nice and this is strange and these people seem friendly and wonder what they're doing here and all the different things that go through us when we meet a bunch of people. So all that's perfectly natural and normal. And yet having a sense as you come into this space and as we enter into this retreat, as, as we have done, it's, it's already begun of what we're orienting or what we're turning ourselves towards in our lives and for these days, this weekend. And you could have chosen to you know, head for the beach 
you know, probably a lot of people are, and there might be moments where you wonder if that might have been a good thing to have done. You know, sitting here, looking around, nobody's saying very much, maybe it looks kind of serious. And, of course, you know, if it starts raining, you think, oh, I'm glad I didn't go to the beach. But if it's really sunny tomorrow, there'll be, you know, that sense of only sunny weekend in the whole of the month. Well, maybe, actually, it's not been such a rainy month, but one year in June it rained every single day for the whole month. And sometimes life is like that. I remember because I was here on retreat that month and it rained every day. And you think, what do I do with that? I expect it to be sunny. In June, it's supposed to be summer. But so often, life isn't the way we expect it. Life isn't always the way we wish it. And yet that doesn't mean that somehow it's gone wrong. It maybe means that there's something we can learn in the process. And a retreat is very much an opportunity for learning, for discovery, for exploring. The practices we'll be exploring and the teachings that we'll be sharing with you are drawn from the teachings of the Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, who was a human being like ourselves, who lived over two and a half thousand years ago, who faced the same questions, the same challenges, had the same sense of perhaps unfulfilled possibility, and who through his own explorations, his own endeavours, his own wholehearted interest in his life, came to some really profound and transformative understanding which has been transmitted through people, again, men and women, through hundreds and thousands of years, through generations of, of teaching and practice, so that we come to have access to this. And having that sense of what we've been doing, being somehow embedded in and drawn from a tradition, isn't something about having to somehow agree with or sign up for any particular religious or spiritual orthodoxy, but more to see that this is something born out of human experience, that what you'll be doing here over these days is something that women like yourselves, men like yourselves have done on weekends and days and months and years on occasion, have done and spent time doing, exploring, engaging in, because it awakens the heart, because it uplifts one's life. And so there's that sense of connecting with or joining into something that's larger than just our own journey. And yet within it, of course, we each of us have our own journey. And while the teachings are framed and the practices drawn from the, the, the practice and teaching of insight meditation and the, the Buddhist tradition, it's equally drawn and based upon our experience. For each of us, what happens here for you will be the basis of what you learn, what you discover in this weekend. And so, making space for that, making space here so that there's room to really receive your life. There's room to release the the sense of tightness or constriction or contraction that is so often there when we're busy and we're rushed and we're hurried and we're trying to make our way in a world where it's not easy to it's not easy to do so. You know, to have 
families, relationships, jobs, studies, dealing with all the complications of life. It's not an easy thing. It doesn't come with an instruction manual. I don't know if you've sort of ever reflected on that. I find it, you know, sort of like you get given something. It's, wow, it's amazing, but it's, of course, kind of complicated and it doesn't have instructions that tell you how to do it. So you kind of, you're left to trial and error. And yet the benefit of a tradition and of connecting with a a teaching, such as the teaching of the Dharma, which is the, the, the word we use, the, the way things are. We use the word Dharma to refer to the way things are and teachings about the way things are in, in, in Buddhist traditions. That To see that actually there is guidance, there is wisdom, there are, quote, instructions <coughs> for how to live life well, how to really receive what life is offering us and equally be able to give back to life what we might wish to contribute, to share with. And all of this really falls within the journey of awakening, releasing, receiving, giving, offering. All of this is part of the journey of awakening. That is a journey that calls to us, that speaks to us, that it's sometimes easy to feel is distant from us, but in fact is never that distant from us. Because it really is no further away than our willingness to turn towards our life. The spiritual dimension of life and all the possibilities it offers is never further away from you or from me than a willingness to turn towards and to support the conditions, to support the environment both within and outside that allow that, that turning inwards, that looking and exploring to be fruitful. So we come to Gaia House. We could do this in sort of a sort of a room in Piccadilly Circus, I imagine. In fact, I've done some things like this on regular occasions in London and elsewhere. But it's different because there's a lot more going on there. When we come to somewhere like Gaia House, the place is we have the benefit of the support of this outer environment. There's a certain beauty, a certain simplicity in the gardens, the grounds, the house, and a certain quality of presence, born of the fact that many people, such as ourselves, have practiced in this way here. Over the years, the Gaia House has been in these buildings, and even before that, when it was the, uh, the, the premises of an of a, um, Anglican missionary order, and nonetheless had a, a contemplative element to it. But it's like there's an environment here that's supportive to what we're doing. And that's quite powerful. You may feel, you may have a sense of that. It may feel attractive and comfortable coming into Guy House, feeling that. Or it may be something you haven't particularly noticed. That's fine. Maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's not as I'm describing it. That's just how it seems to me. Or one might come in and one might feel something that one is drawn to or one might feel a little sort of having some 
responds to it of not quite sure about what this is or what this is like. And it's really okay, whatever your response is to this situation. But here we have an opportunity to look and see what's going on. What is happening. Because our responses and our life are something that are related by our openness and our and informed by how open we are and how how well we understand what it is that moves us within and what the effect of those movements within are in our lives so we also as well as the environment of the the buildings and the grounds we have the the managers wonderful team of uh, eight Eight men and women who, uh, who work here, live here, support this environment, support this house, support all of us. So that we don't need to be too concerned with the practical things of life. Food will be produced and pretty reliably wonderful food and plenty of it, which is, you know, some of you will be quite used to having to produce your own food or food for yourself and family, you know, pretty regularly and to come along where food is provided, where the Space is taken care of, where we all contribute a little in an hour a day for all of you as retreatants to the taking care of the space, taking care of different jobs that support all of us here. So there's a certain environment of, of caring provided by the managers and provided by ourselves here together. And this is part of the, the sense and the spirit of the the inner environment, the inner culture we create together and there are particular elements of the retreat that support that which we'd like to also speak about and so I'd just like to pass you now to Kirsten and uh, if you just turn the volume down when I move this thing, no just on the amp no the one below just turn it down so it doesn't have to make so much noise. Okay. So welcome everyone. It's actually the first time in my life I speak into a microphone. <laughs> and it's really scary. I realize. <laughs> I just realized when I came down the stairs, oh god, I have to speak into a microphone. So my name is Kirsten and I will be assisting Jana during this weekend. And um I'm really looking forward to embark with you on this journey together, as Jana mentioned in his in his uh, talk before. And I would like to speak a little bit about the container we are trying to create here together. And again, you know, really seeing it as as something we are inviting you to join, and seeing it as a gift to yourself and to everyone around you to create a safe environment and a safe atmosphere for each and every one of us to actually explore life. So I um, would say, you know, like three pillars of these containers are silence, simplicity and the five precepts and probably each one of them have been mentioned to one extent in the opening talk of the managers. So I would like to speak very shortly about Noble silence, how it is called in the tradition, and I really like it. Noble silence, so it has a sense of nobility, and it's really to see silence as a means, as an aid to help us quieten our mind, 
to actually um, support and facilitate an inner unfolding we are embarking on here during this weekend. And again, as Jana mentioned, we all have very busy lives and we actually made the decision to come to Gaia House this weekend and maybe... Well, I assume that m many of you have the intention to maybe look slightly differently at their lives, to actually give it a new look, you know, have a, some interest, you know, if you can see things differently. And from my own experience, I definitely can say that actually silence really supports, you know, really supports the ability to listen and hear things in a new way. So we encourage you to not have any conversation with each other. Um, there, will be, there will be opportunities to speak. There will be small groups, and I think also there will be interviews. So you will have, you will have the opportunity to share some of your experience, but really to keep outside of this rather to yourself. And I'm aware that for some of you this might be quite challenging and difficult because be associated with something very heavy and unloving and isolation, but let's just really challenging these views, you know, and just see, oh, yeah, I feel like this, but let's see if I can see it differently. It's like, really, I want to explore it in a different way. And I think for myself, I can say, and probably many of you who have done silent retreats before can say it's the same. It's like, actually... To be open to the possibility that silence creates actually inner space and an immense freedom. You don't have to be anyone. You don't have to explain anything. You don't have to tell anyone what you're doing, what you're planning, why you are here. You can just really be with yourself. And again, really give yourself this chance. Offer it to yourself and others during this weekend. And to um, create create a safe environment, we really, really um, encourage you to follow the five precepts. And again, they have been shortly managed, uh, mentioned, I think, in the manager's talk. The five precepts are to refrain from killing, which is quite obvious. Of course, you don't you know, want to kill each other, but actually going to even another level, you know, I've been in the bathroom, there are several spiders, there are other bugs, you know, just they live here too, and just not respecting their life, and not maybe like habitually like, oh, I don't like this, and just go down and, and smash them. The second one is to not steal. And I would also, again, take it a little bit further, as actually one could phrase it, that do not take what is not given to you. So really, again, see where you just have this movement maybe in your mind to just take something, you know, whatever it might be. It's not really stealing, you bring it back later, but just to really see what is, what is going on there and, and play with this aspect in, 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 in your behavior at this moment. The next precept is not to lie and not to use false speech. And again, pretty easy. You don't speak with each other, so there's not so much opportunity to lie to each other. But then again, you can bring it to another level. You know, actually, what are you telling yourself? You know, judgments about yourself, assumptions about yourself. 
what you tell yourself in yourself about others. You know, just see and not not as a moral shoot, but just really exploring it deeply. What is going on here? What is happening just now? Oh, this is interesting, you know. The fourth precept is not to uh, indulge in sexual misconduct. And again, this is not that much in the foreground during the weekend because we basically ask you to refrain from any sexual activity. But then again, outside, you know, really, where does my sexual activity cause harm and suffering to others? Again, exploring this area, which is a huge area of our life, sexuality, relationship. And the last and fifth um, precept is to refrain from taking any intoxicants, drugs and drinks which lead to carelessness. Again, pretty self-explanatory. You know, we want to stay with a clear mind. We want to explore the nature of our mind and we don't want to cloud it with any substances. Of course, if you need to take any medication... You have, you know, this is of course outside of this precept. Please continue to do so. Um, and again, I think it's very easy to see the five precepts as a set of rules you have to follow, we have to follow, like the Buddhist commandment. This is a Buddhist thou shalt not. But for me, actually, they are really like like a mirror I can reflect my behavior against. You know, it's like, ah, oh, what is going on here? You know, ah, oh. you know, it's not like, oh, I must not, and if I do, then, you know, lightning will strike me or anything. It's really like, if I explore myself, my life, if I'm really committed to live a different, less harming life, is it, is it skillful? to kill? Is it skillful to take what is not given to me? And I think, again, certainly for myself, you know, like the five precepts, there might be a set of rules, um, agreements on behavior, but I think you can explore them deeper and deeper and deeper on really very deep levels. And I think at some point even, one might come to a point where one can't even but doesn't even have the choice not to follow the five precepts because you will feel the pain and suffering you cause to yourself and others by not doing so. So just again, contemplate about it, and we really, really encourage you to follow them during this retreat to create a safe and protected environment. And the last uh, pillar, let's say, the last pillar of creating this safe environment is simplicity, which again goes a little bit back to a noble silence. So really keeping your day very, very simple. We are very much used to very busy lives, and it's a very habitual tendency for many of us, and certainly for me, to just stay in this busyness, busyness, busyness. This is so important. I just have to do this. But to really just stop and keeping it simple... All you have to do there is sit, walk, listening to instruction, meditate, eat, do work, period. It's all there is to do this weekend. What a blessing. Nothing else to do. 
fantastic. Take the time to really enjoy it. And we would like you to refrain from reading during this time because very much, you know, something gets uncomfortable. Oh, I just read a book, you know, I just bring my mind to somewhere else, you know, just that I'm not here where I actually are. Again, you know, just play with this. See when it's happening, oh, I have to get away. I have to read something, get the novel out of my suitcase. Oh, what a relief. And please turn off your mobile phones. You know, 10 years ago, you know, it was not, one didn't have to mention this, but now one is everywhere reachable, you know, blueberries or blackberries or how you call them, you know, emails and, and phone calls. Give, give yourself really the gift of turning them off. It's a gift to yourself. That's it for now. Thank you very much, and I'm really looking forward to spend the weekend with you. So, as we have a sense of creating this environment together, as Kirsten was uh, describing there. It really is the basis from which, and the foundation from which we can begin to fruitfully turn within. The basis from which we can begin to look and to see what is true in our hearts, in our world, in our lives. It's this capacity to look and this capacity to see that is ultimately what is transformative in meditation practice. Many different experiences can arise. Some of them may be delightful and pleasant, peaceful and calm, sweet, or entertaining even. Others may be difficult or confusing or possibly painful or scary. But in the end, all the range of experience that comes to us is something that we can learn from. Of course, what we'd really like is to have a weekend filled entirely with really nice, pleasant, enjoyable, comfortable, and you know, possibly even spiritual sort of things going on, I imagine. It sounds attractive. I wouldn't mind. And we certainly wouldn't, I imagine, want to be coming along for a weekend retreat to have sort of an uncomfortable body or a busy mind or something happening that wasn't a lot of fun. But we don't know what will happen. This is a remarkable fact, but... Also a rather simple and evident one. We don't know what's going to happen. It's not that we're holding out on you and we know, but we're not going to tell you. We actually don't know what's going to happen. Because life is something that keeps unfolding, affected by so many different conditions and circumstances. And yet we have an ability to influence how our life unfolds and particularly how we engage with it. And this is what meditation practice supports and uh, offers not the ability to control our experience but the ability to see it as it is to see the truth within it and then to align ourselves with that truth in order to live a life that is grounded in what is true and that is in harmony with how things actually are rather than somehow in conflict with the way things are. So in order to do that, uh, we do have to, to simplify. We 
but you have to kind of let things drop away. And this is this is part of this journey that we're we're already doing it. It's part of this process of just coming here. And having said to friends and family, I trust you have told them, so they're not going to be surprised that you know they're not going to be hearing from you till Sunday. If you haven't told them that and you're concerned, then you can always do that. You know, before the evening is finished, if there's someone you think will worry if they don't hear from you by Sunday, let them know that uh, you know there's a phone booth. If you don't have a it's probably unlikely that there's people who don't have a cell phone these days, but maybe you do. Well done, um, if that's the case. That sense of, but that sense of letting, letting go of something familiar that might even be comfortable or supportive, and there's nothing wrong with all of that, but letting it go to make space to invite the possibility of something deeper, something richer. As we were just walking down the stairs before joining you this evening, I was remembering a an experience I had some years ago that speaks to me with regard to this. And it was... I uh, had gone to visit a friend who was staying in a small cabin by the river in the Dart Valley, about 10 miles from here, a little, little house called the Boat Shed. And um, when I went to see my friend and we were chatting a little bit, he, he got out this box of chocolates... And it was kind of like, hmm, okay, you know, we, we all know what to do with those. But what was interesting about this box was that it had instructions for their use. And it was a little bit like, just a moment, we know what to do with these, you know. I mean, is there anyone here who doesn't think they would know what to do with a box of chocolates? And, you know, sorry to be mentioning this when you're not going to have a chance to buy any until the end of the weekend, but um, this box of chocolates had instructions on it. And they went something like this. They weren't just any box of chocolates, as you might have guessed. It said, this box of handmade Belgian praline chocolates have been caringly manufactured by hand for your exquisite pleasure and satisfaction. Please follow these instructions. And it said, turn off the television. (laughs) How many times have you... I've stuffed chocolates into my mouth, you know. Turn off the radio, turn off the television, put away the newspapers and the magazines. This is what it said. Sit down comfortably by yourself or with a friend. And it said, unwrap, select and unwrap one of the chocolates. And as you unwrap it, take a moment to breathe in the delicate aroma. And then place it upon your tongue. Don't chew it. But just let it rest there and allow the warmth of your tongue to begin to melt the chocolate. And then begin to chew. But don't swallow too quickly. Wait until the liquid chocolate begins to trickle down the back of your throat. And then if you wish, take another. And what struck me, apart from quite delighting in this, was the first thing was, oh, look, it's meditation instructions. For eat- it really, it's meditation instructions for eating chocolate. And my friend and I, as we sat down and did this, because, you know, what could we do? We were both meditators. We weren't going to ignore the instructions. We looked at each other, and I can't remember now if he said to me or I said to him, but one of us said, you know, most times you don't really taste the chocolate. 
That was true. And most times, we don't really taste what our life is offering us because we're too busy scoffing it or doing something else. So that, that kind of metaphor of that box of chocolates has remained with me and is a, is a way of understanding what we're doing here. You know, it's like by creating the space that we're creating, putting away the world of words, of busyness, of activity. Meditation is that place in which we can just meet what's here. Now, for most of us, in order to be able to do that, we need to train ourselves a little bit. We need to cultivate particular qualities that support that. Because we're used to, and it's not that there's something wrong or bad about it, we're just used to and habituated to being kind of over-engaged, over-active, over-stimulated in such a way that we lose a certain sensitivity. We lose a certain appreciation of simple, natural experience. And we can find ourselves constantly looking for something that's more or bigger or better than what we've got. And constantly disappointed because whatever we find doesn't quite do it for us. But if rather than trying to find things that are more and bigger and better or trying to become someone who is more and bigger and better than we are in whatever way we might try to do it, trying to improve the world or improve ourselves, well, there's a place for all of that. Um, certain value in sort of cultivating the wholesome within the world and within ourselves, of course. But rather than trying to somehow get more or get somewhere else or become something that we are not, Meditation asks us to really carefully and caringly turn towards and begin to look to see, well, what is this that I am? What is this that's happening right here? Is there really something missing? Is there really something that needs to be improved or added or fixed? Or is that simply a habitual way of relating to or perceiving that is reinforced by how most of the world goes about its daily activity. So in meditation, we're not trying to go somewhere. We're not trying to become something, get somewhere, or become someone. Other than what we are. Other than where we are. So the the direction and the movement, if we call it that, of meditation is towards what is true, towards where we are, towards what we are, rather than towards changing all of that. And of course, what most of us will notice when we engage in meditation is that the, the habit and the compulsion to want to go somewhere else, to be someone else, to get something else, is remarkably strong and compellingly attractive. So we'll have some opportunity to contemplate this over the weekend. But essentially the practice of meditation is learning what it means to be awake, to be conscious, to be in a a living, conscious relationship with our life as it unfolds. And not our life in a sense of something that we own or that we can hold and control and claim because... 
That's something we'll see if we haven't already seen. We see that we can't really do that with life. We can't control it. But our life in the sense of that which is offered to us, this, this remarkable thing, this precious thing, that is both at times beautiful and at times perplexing. To really receive this, just as it is. And so we begin this practice by cultivating, by strengthening, by deepening the natural capacity we have to know where we are, to know what's going on right here, right where we are. And this is what we'll be doing in the meditation practice using different forms. We'll be using primarily sitting and walking meditation forms. There'll also be a little standing meditation in the afternoon. And uh, there'll be an invitation, really, and really, there will be an invitation. Actually, this is the invitation to use this entire weekend and everything that occurs within it for you as an opportunity to connect, to explore, to discover. And see what comes out of that. What most of us will notice is that we have a really strong tendency to think that somehow it should be different than what it is. Or somehow we're not doing it quite right. Because if we would, it would be somehow more the way we wanted it to be. This thing called our life. Or this experience that might happen. And so... To see if you can allow yourself to be free from too many expectations. Again, using that, that kind of really lovely way of looking at it that Kirsten was referring to it, to see that as a gift to yourself, rather than that you shouldn't have expectations. But what's it like if you don't have expectations? What's it like to just allow yourself to receive what this is? So it's like releasing yourself from the weight of pressure. You can, if you're like most of us, like me and most people I know, we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Sometimes we think it's other people doing it to us or the world. And they can be part of that for sure, but at some level, mostly we tend to do it to ourselves. Though we may not always be aware of that. We'll tend to see it more clearly when we're by ourselves and nobody's doing it to us and it's still happening. And in terms of the instructions, you know, classically in the meditation instructions, one is invited to pay attention, to be present, to not be thinking about the past and the future as much as we habitually do, not to be lost in those mind-created realms, but to be contacting or connecting in touch with where we are, with what's actual, immediate, imminent, present, alive. And yet despite being invited and encouraged to do that, and we'll give you some tools for that in terms of the meditation forms and techniques, most of us will experience the fact that despite intending and attempting to do so, 
it's really not easy to do so. And it can be then also very easy to be hard on oneself, to be judging of oneself. And I'd really like to invite you and encourage you to trust what unfolds here, to trust the wisdom of your life, however it might be. That's not to presume, not to be suggesting that everything one thinks about is necessarily wisdom, because that's also something we'll discover is not necessarily the case. But that how it unfolds has its own intelligence. And there's always something of value in what's happening. So to really give respect to one's life in that way. And then meditation is a a way of engaging to support and to develop our capacity to be awake, to be present, to be open-hearted, clear in mind and in touch with the the vibration of life without somehow getting into comparing or measuring or judging, forgetting about succeeding or failing. You know, we're not going to mark you at the end of the retreat and send you home with, you know, they this one failed, that one succeeded, this one got a good grade, you know, I only got a you know two one, you know. Whatever. It's not like that. That's the habitual way of the mind. To always measure, compare, evaluate. Here, curiosity is of more value than certainties or comparisons. And just the willingness to see what comes as an invitation rather than a conclusion. Meditation has become something more and more familiar in our culture. Images of the Buddha or other sort of spiritual images get used in more and more situations. You see people sitting cross-legged um, in apparently blissful tranquility advertising sort of bank mortgages and um, tropical holidays and pretty much everything in between. And there's a way in which we could see meditation as just some kind of way of getting calm or quiet or something like that. But really meditation is concerned with a profound transformation, with a discovery and abiding within what we could call the spiritual dimension, the deeper truth of life, in which the transformation of suffering is possible. The resolution of conflict is possible in which we can learn to live with an open heart with kindness and compassion for others and for ourselves and to be at peace in a world that may not at times be at peace. To find peace even within the challenges of our own life that will no doubt continue on occasions to be difficult but that there is the possibility of freedom 
the awakening of the heart and mind of a human life. This is what these teachings, these practices and this retreat are really speaking to us about, inviting us into. And while at one level this is simply about what's here and now and learning to meet that with wisdom and compassion, with kindness and understanding. And another level, this is about a profound and noble journey. And this is something precious and beautiful to undertake. And we're fortunate to have this opportunity and the companions who are here with you to share in this time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.